Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be looking at current email threat types and how inbox defense can protect against increasingly sophisticated attacks. The impact of cyber attacks on organizations is widespread, not only from a financial standpoint of lost revenue, legal fees, and regulatory fines, but also to operational disruptions, damage brand reputation, and trust within the organization. Traditional email security solutions aren't enough to protect businesses anymore. There needs to be processes in place to actively defend against sophisticated email threats that are often able to bypass defenses by using numerous backdoor techniques. And Barracuda has released an ebook demonstrating the 13 email threat types to know about right now that looks at the risks and impact these have on businesses and also what measure can be taken to protect organizations. To join me on this podcast and explain a little bit more about that, I've got Olasia Klevchuk, who is the Senior Product Marketing Manager at Barracuda. So welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. Hi, and thank you for having me. It really is a fantastic ebook that you guys have produced and to give that kind of knowledge to the people to understand these threat types. But before we get to those specific threats, could you maybe talk about the basics of email as a general threat vector and why organizations should really be caring and the main issues that it's causing at the moment? Sure. Well, email is definitely the number one threat vector today. Hackers use email the most to get into the organization to carry out the attacks. Majority data breaches today do start with an email or with a phishing attack, with a malware attack. And especially now, if you think about it, so many of us are working from home. We, we really are relying on email as a way of staying in touch with our colleagues, with our partners, with our customers. And during this time, we have seen a rise in the attacks overall, particularly those exploiting COVID-19 fears, trying to fish for credentials or spread malware within the organization using recent news about pandemic as a hook. So it really is a very important vector and hackers always look for an entry point into an organization. Reaching the actual network, it can be really hard and email seems to be kind of an easy channel for them to enter the organization. All they need to do is to craft a very carefully researched email, bypass some email filters and then rely on um, individuals and people's inability to spot that something is malicious and trick them into clicking on a link or replying to the email. You know, every organization receives thousands and thousands of emails every day. I, I get dozens and hundreds of them and millions of emails are being sent around the globe every day. And, you know, with such a huge influx of emails, as well as our kind of increasing distracted emailing, our ways of checking our messages, not just on our computers, but also on the mobile devices. You know, all of those leads to individuals not maybe paying as much attention to who email is coming from and what it looks like. And therefore, you know, it's an easy way to exploit for hackers. 
in addition to all of that, if you think about it, email is such an important, not just communication tool, but also it's like a data storage tool. I know that I have a lot of important information stored in my inbox. People send me things on my inbox, in my inbox, and very often I just keep information there. Imagine if you work in a finance department or in HR, you know, you might have a lot of sensitive information stored there. And it's a, it's a real kind of gateway to a lot of valuable, sensitive contacts and information and data. If it lost, it can create a lot of damage to organization. It's exactly that. It's so much data and such a important resource for anyone in business that it's such a, an easy target for people to get into. And as you say, there's such rich information in there that people are really looking to target and exploit. So with that in mind, this ebook I mentioned in the introduction, you know, could you run down some of the 13 threats that we're seeing? And do organizations really need to cover all 13 areas? Yeah, researchers at Barracuda, we looked at uh, all types of threats that we have seen over the years, and we tried to categorize them or define them into some kind of a framework. And we came up with 13 threat types. They're not exactly distinct from each other. They very often they do overlap and we see hackers using the same multiple characteristics of different threat types to try to trick users into responding to their email. And they really range from complexity, um, from high volume attacks such as spam or malware to a more sophisticated targeted attacks such as impersonation attacks like business email compromise account takeover other spear phishing attacks you know your protection of course has to reflect that complexity as well it becomes a little bit hard to detect all of the 13 threats with traditional gateways and you do need additional more advanced technology to be able to spot those particularly targeted attacks that are designed to kind of bypass those traditional filters. So if we take kind of an example of of one of these attacks and how it unfolds, you know, let's say it's very common, one of the most common impersonation techniques used is what we call a service impersonation is where hackers try to impersonate a well-known service, a well-known brand to get individuals to disclose some sensitive information. Usually, most of the time, we find that they try to impersonate Microsoft Office 365. They send you an email that appears as if it's coming from your Office 365 account, asks you to check for some suspicious activity or confirm your password. You click on the link and it leads you to a page which will look pretty legitimate and hackers spend a lot of time investing into developing those phishing pages. And today they really look exactly like Microsoft's Office 365 login page will look like, including animations and placement of login boxes and so forth. So the reason why they do that is so that they can steal the credentials of your Office 365 account. And stealing credentials usually leads to this account takeovers where hackers are able to use the credentials they style to log into your Office 365 accounts and then start learning things about your organization. Who is who within the organization? Who else they can trick into disclosing their account details? And if you think about it, if you have access to those account details and you have access to the actual legitimate account, it makes it a lot easier for them to start launching attacks, especially internally within the organizations. And those are the kind of attacks that traditional gateways are completely blind to. You know, they you can't, they, they sit outside of the organization's perimeter, they see the incoming messages, but once somebody's penetrated your organization, 
once somebody is inside that email account and they start into researching and spreading across the organization, Gateway is completely blind to that. Some of the techniques that they might use, either launching attacks from compromised accounts, even from the outside organization to monetize on those attacks, things like business email compromise or conversation hijacking. And business email compromise is probably one of the more commonly known, it's also known as CEO fraud or whaling and, and so forth. It doesn't always have to be part of account takeover. It's very often launched from legitimate accounts such as like Gmail accounts. So they, you know, high reputation accounts, the gateways will very often allow for the email to get through. And those attacks are incredibly effective and they're very, very costly. You know, FBI estimated that losses to businesses were around $1.7 billion. And those are the losses reported. Those are losses reported in the US. So if you think about it on a global scale, that's billions and billions of dollars. Business email compromise attacks, they're really simple. All you get is usually an initial email that says, are you at your desk? Are you available? I have a favor to ask. And it looks to establish this trust before it makes a request, usually of a wire transfer. A lot of the time, people ask me, this seems to be such a simple attack. Why would anybody fall for it? But, you know, with the cost of it being in billions, people do. And we see more and more of business email compromise attacks happening around the globe and that the number is growing. It must be working. It must be effective. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's that impact that it has from a financial perspective, which is huge. And, and you mentioned in your first answer as well about people get so many emails and you're just trying to stay on top of workloads and it can be kind of easy just to fall for these emails that come through and that's where that kind of misunderstanding comes from. And you mentioned the financial loss, which is obviously extremely important, but are there any other specific kind of impacts that these kind of attacks can have on an organization from top to bottom? Sure, there's definitely an enormous attack from you know loss of productivity and data losses. And you know the, the type of impact it will have it depends on the attack. And, you know, as we talked earlier, there are 13 threat types. They all have a slightly different impact. You know, on one hand, you have spam, which is a well-known, well-understood threat. And we already have a lot of technologies in place to help us protect against that. However, spam, you know, if allowed to let loose, it can really lead to loss of productivity. It's just general annoyance. You just get you know, double the number of emails in your inboxes. It, it really can also impact the performance of your inbox because all of a sudden you have so much email coming in that can overwhelm your mail service and individuals' inboxes. The spear phishing attacks, they usually lead to monetary losses and data breach overall. Hackers are, are looking for money at the end of the day for most of the time, one way or the other, you know, they're looking to monetize on their attacks and they're looking for the actual cash. So we already looked at business email compromise and kind of impact it can have, but there is another attack that we're starting seeing a lot of that is sort of similar to business email compromise, but not quite the same. It's called conversation hijacking. And what usually happens is it's very often could be part of account takeover or not, is when a hacker is trying to impersonate a partner or a vendor and then inserts themselves into already existing business conversations. So let's say you know you have a, an ongoing conversation with your vendor about certain invoices that needs to be paid, and all of a sudden you get an email from the vendor telling you, okay, we need you to change the account details to where you wire the money. And you 
you don't think anything wrong of that. You just make the change and wire the money to a wrong account. And those are the monies that, you know, lost to you as an organization and lost to your vendor. And we see a lot, a lot of more of those kind of attacks that kind of trying to exploit existing business conversation and, and impersonation techniques. But they really, at the end of the day, they all look for money. And overall cost of data breaches for organizations around the world is actually estimated in millions. It does depend on how valuable your data is. It depends how large your organization and the scope of the attack. And unfortunately, no one is actually safe. It is unfortunate, but probably sooner or later, most organizations will fall for one of those attacks. And we just need to make sure that we invest in uh, email protection and have that multi-layered approach to email protection that we have both in place, the you know, technology to protect organizations against these attacks, as well as training individuals to be able to recognize those attacks. There's so many elements there, isn't there, to kind of consider constantly. And there's threats coming from left, right and center to try and battle. And, and you mentioned technologies there, and, and you've spoken about traditional gateways not really being able to keep up with a lot of this. So what are the best technologies organizations can use to protect against these threats? Most organizations today will use an email gateway of some form, which is essentially a filtering technology that sits in front of your mail server, kind of between the internet, between uh, the sender and your mail server, and the filters emails as are coming in. And it's and it's really good at detecting things like spam or malware, even zero-day attacks or malwares that have never been seen before, that we don't have signatures for. It'll have technologies such as sandboxing built into them that will take that malicious attachment or suspicious email, put it in a, a safe environment, open it up, detonate it, try to look if it behaves in an abnormal way and try to figure out if there is a new type of code and new type of malware attached to the file that's never been seen before. So it's really, it's really effective at detecting those large volume attacks, spam, malware. But once you start getting to a more targeted attacks, those to use social engineering techniques, they are actually designed to bypass all of those filters. You know, they're not sent in mass. They sent from email accounts with a high reputation, such as Gmail accounts or Yahoo accounts. They don't use links that we know to be malicious. They build websites that are only used for one or two campaigns on a smaller scale. Very often, those emails don't even have any malicious payloads. So there is nothing for gateways to look for, nothing to trigger those filters within the gateways. And because of that, you really need to have a protection that sits beyond the gateway to protect against those more sophisticated targeted attacks. And that's where the API-based inbox defense comes in. It sits beyond the gateway, it directly integrates with your inbox. So it gets information about internal communication, it gets your historical in communication information. And because it's able to do that, it's, it's able to kind of create this idea of what does normal look like for you? What does normal communication looks for an individual? Who do you usually talk to? What kind of emails you share? So when something abnormal happens, it's able to flag that as potentially malicious message. At the end of the day, it's not a question which one of those two you would need. There are 13 threats that we have identified and you need both to protect against those threats. There are pros and cons to using both. Okay, so if we kind of drill down into that a bit further then and look at those kind of pros and cons of gateway protection, what would be kind of your, your main standouts? The biggest pro is that it 
really blocks email from actually entering the mailbox. So it, it never lands in the mailbox. And it's really important when you are faced with those large volume attacks. So if you have hundreds and hundreds of spam messages landing in your mail inbox, this can really overwhelm your mail service and really have a negative impact on the performance of your email. So by blocking them before they entering into the mailbox, you know, you were able to prevent that kind of negative impact on the performance. And we've invested into spam filters and signatures and sandboxing over the years. So they've became really, really good at being able to detect and block those emails. So gateways work very well for those kind of attacks. And it's not just the inbound the gateway will be looking at. It also looks at messages that are leaving the organization. So outbound filtering is very important. And you know you might want to block certain messages from leaving because of either accidental or malicious data loss, somebody sending important information out. You may also want to make sure that maybe certain information is encrypted if it is sensitive. So there is a lot of things you can put in place with the gateway to filter messages as they're coming in, but also as the messages as they're going out. The cons of uh, where gateways don't really work as well is when it comes to the highly targeted attacks. And those attacks don't have anything obviously malicious about them. And gateways, by definitions, are relying on very complex set of rules and policies that you need to predefine. So when you have a highly targeted attacks, it becomes almost impossible to define hundreds and hundreds of different rules for hundreds and hundreds of different employees that you might have in, within the organization to detect and block those attacks. And of course, managing all of those rules and managing all of those policies is not just something that you would want your IT team to spend time on. No, and I'm sure they wouldn't want to either at the end of the day. So it's good to kind of have that approach to Gateway and, and understand the difference. And, and you mentioned, obviously, previously, the API-based inbox defense. So same kind of question, really. How is it implemented? What can it block? And really pros and cons of, of API-based inbox. Yeah, the API-based inbox defense, it really is something that you want to have in addition to the gateway. It's not ideal to have it on its own. The way it works is it uses APIs to directly integrate with users' inboxes and with your email environment overall because it's able to integrate with that. What it does, it gets access to all of the internal and all of the historical data that you have. Once you have access to all of that rich data, you use that data to train the AI. The AI creates a statistical model or if you like a social graph about communication patterns of each individual within the organization. So each individual within each unique organization will have their own way that they communicate. They use certain names that they sign. They have a certain group of people they communicate with. They use certain business application. They use certain devices, locations they connect from. And there's hundreds and hundreds of different signals that will determine how you email versus how I am emailing. So it's able to understand what normal communication looks like. So unlike the gateways that are looking for malicious activity, the API inbox defense is able to understand what normal looks like. So when something abnormal happens, when there is anomalies in the communication, it's able to detect that as something wrong and analyze it and determine that this might be a malicious email. So let's take an example of a business email compromise. So you get an email from your CEO that is asking for a wire transfer. Here's how Inbox Defense will look at it. It will look at it and think, 
Does the CEO usually request wire transfers? Does he send emails from a Gmail account? Does he sign his name Matthew or Matt? So it's those little signs, signals that will determine whether or not this is a legitimate email. And it's similar with other types of attacks, like a brand impersonation or service impersonation. AI will rely on history of communication from a specific service to determine whether or not the domain that is included within the email is actually the one that is usually used by, let's say, Office 365. And if it is, great. If not, then it must be something is wrong. So those are the benefits of the API inbox defense. And, you know, you you can, of course, get your gateway to probably do very similar things. You can create uh, multiple rules within that, but it usually will lead to a lot of false positives and false negatives. And, you know, because of the volume of uh, those rules and policies that you might need to manage, you will have to maybe even limit the protection to just a few employees within your organization. If you think about some of the other attacks that I talked about earlier, like account takeover or any internal threats that might be coming from those compromised accounts, I mean, those gateways are completely blind to those, right? So they sit outside of the organization. You really need some kind of technology inside internally that is able to monitor that internal mail and able to monitor those accounts and access to those accounts. When it comes to maybe some of the cons of API-based inbox defense and why you would need to have a gateway in place, and it's it's really is kind of the opposite of the gateway. When gateway blocks messages from entering inboxes, you know, with API-based inbox defense, the message actually has to land within the inbox and then AI instantaneously will pull that message out if it is malicious. And, you know, if you try to use that for all types of threats and all types of attacks, again, you, you will start to get just too much mail in your inboxes and it will eventually have a negative impact on your performance. So you need a combination of both to have the best and most successful kind of protection in place against these attacks. Both are impressive from that standpoint and to have both really gives that extra layer of defense that organizations need so desperately because as we've been talking about, there's numerous threats out there. So it's best to be prepared across the board really to have that full coverage and As this conversation progresses, we're going to see in the future a lot of email threats are going to evolve and change. They constantly change how they're doing attacks because once something is learned, they want to find another way to make things easier. So with that in mind, what strategies can organizations implement to really stay on top of these rising risks? So I think the first thing I would say is check out our ebook. Um, it's a really good resource that defines all of those 13 threats. And we talked about four or five on this podcast, but there is a lot more to it. And, and it kind of goes into detail, defining the different types of threats, their impact, as well as when do you need to apply what technology and what are the best practices and strategies to put in place to protect against each one of those threats. So it's a good starting point just to get an understanding of uh, do you have yourself, do you think about all of those threats, do you have yourself fully protected? And once you have that kind of overview and understanding, it's a good time to start trying to figure out where the gaps might be in your strategy. Do you have a solid gateway in place? Does it provide you with both good inbound and outbound protection against all different types of attacks? Do you have an API-based inbox defense? What do you do to protect against business email compromise? Are there gaps in your protection from kind of filtering and technology point of view? 
Once you start kind of identify those gaps, you you hopefully will know where they are and you know what you need to look for and where your next investments might need to be. You know, protection doesn't stop with just technology and filtering people. Your employees, your users are incredibly important, and they are one of those layers of defense that you can definitely use. And you build that defense by educating your users. So security awareness training, letting them know what are the latest threats, how to recognize those threats, how to report those threats is also important. If they don't know where to report and how to do it safely, if you're not getting that information from them, you're missing those threats that might be already inside the organization. So educating your users through whether that's, you know, training materials or even phishing simulation campaigns is very, very important here. And then Hopefully, once you've educated your users and they start reporting all of those malicious messages to you or suspicious messages, you want to have an automated incident response in place as well, because you need to not only get them to report to you, but you need to identify how big that problem might be. Is it just a single individual who received that message within the organization or are there hundreds of people that received that? Are you able today to quickly within a few minutes identify all of those people? Are you able within just a few minutes to pull of that information from those individuals in boxes? Because if the answer is no, that means you're leaving all of those other users vulnerable to those attacks. If you have one or two people who have reported the attacks, there may be dozens who haven't. And out of them, you know, somebody might click on that link. And, you know, honestly, hackers only need one person to click on the link or to respond for the attack to be successful. So automating fast incident responses is really, really, really important. So making sure that you have all of the necessary layers of protection from response to remediation is very important. Whenever I have these conversations, it does boil down to those points. And education is such a clear winner of people getting ahead of this because without the education, how are people going to know what's going on? And that's the whole purpose of what we're talking about here today. And it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, Alessia. So thank you very much for coming onto the podcast, walking us through these threats and, and really how to protect against them in the best possible way. Yes, thank you very much for having me here. Of course. And thank you, everyone who took the time to listen to this. We hope you took a lot away from it. You've got to go check out the ebook. There's a lot of fantastic information in there of how you can go against these threats and really understanding them more is a very key point from, as we were talking about just then, the educational standpoint. So if you head on over to barracuda.com, it's on the homepage at the moment. So you can check out that book, make sure you get a good understanding of it. And we'll be back soon with another podcast. Thank you once again to my guest and thank you to Barracuda. And we'll be back shortly. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.